Welcome back to the Just Be Your Bad Self podcast, where you are enough just the way you are. I'm your host, Kimber Dutton, a recovering people pleaser and perfectionist who is on a mission to normalize the human experience in all of its messy imperfection. Join me as I explore what it means to feel worthy of love, to live wholeheartedly, and to lead an authentic life. Okay, well, I'm super excited about my guest today. It's my awesome little brother, Jared. Thanks for being on the podcast today. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. We, so I need to give everyone a heads up that I was talking to Jared on the phone yesterday and I, I made him stop. I wanted to talk about something that is not his like area of expertise, but he's just like one of the smartest people in my life. And I was like, wait, whatever we talk about, I want to record it. So in case it's good, it's on the podcast. But even though this isn't necessarily your area of expertise, we're going to talk about capitalism. I guess I should say that. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> yeah, I feel I I feel like kind of there's a there's a podcast that Dax Shepard does called Armchair Expert where yeah. he'll just talk about whatever and I feel very much like an arm well maybe even less than an armchair ac- expert on on cap especially capitalism right I I study communication specifically with families and mental health so this is very much outside of my realm of expertise and study. But I got to brag a little bit. He's like getting his PhD right now. He's going to be Dr. Warwood pretty soon. So he's a smart guy. This just isn't necessarily his area of study. So, okay, Jared, tell me everything you have about capitalism. Capitalism thoughts. Well, I think, giving our background, we were both raised, I think your listeners know, with a pretty conservative background, very raw, raw, like conservative, which tends to champion the values of capitalism and free market trade and celebrating the fact that we don't want government regulation of the market. We think that competition is what drives prices down and quality up simultaneously. And therefore, capitalism is great, right? Because that's what it is basically there for is saying, like, get state regulation out of the market, let it be owned by private citizens and let, you know, innovation and value be driven by consumers, I think is like the idealized form of of capitalism. Yeah. So that was way over my head. (laughs) So you got to way dumb it down for your sister. Okay. Okay. Because my my brain fuzzed out for a second. So try again. Speak in normal person, not. I literally very- thought I was doing. <laughs> I was like, "This is the this is the, this is what we grew up believing," and you're like, "I didn't believe. I didn't know what that was. I don't even know what you're talking about." So, what did we grow up believing? Like, pretend I'm like ten. I can handle ten year old. Yeah. So, I think that every we all have memories of either running a little lemonade shop on the corner or buying stuff from that, and it's that whole idea where. We, we get up in arms, right? If a policeman were to come up and say, hey, you don't have a permit to sell that. And, you know, that kind of state regulation on a bigger level, right? We, we still believe, like, just given the society we're in, that there's some constraints that the state can put on people who want to sell, but that essentially the less regulation there is, the better, right? And we want to say that like consumers and the will kind of give that value or that worth to different places where we say all the time, right? If you, 
Like if someone raises their prices too high, right, that will drive you to be like, okay, is there a cheaper alternative that is just as good? So then that would drive you to there, which would make the other person selling lemonade at more expensive price be like, oh, if I want to capture consumers, I need to lower my price. Right, right. right? I'm glad that I said speak 10-year-old and you immediately went to lemonade stance, which is exactly <laughs> what I can understand. I'm on board with you now. So yeah. like, so like, yeah, if, if I want to open a lemonade stand, I should be able to open a lemonade stand. I'm doing the work. I'm doing my advertising. What's wrong with that? I should be able to make the money off that. And and capitalism, is it called free market enterprising? Is that a real thing? Sounds sounds right to me. <laughs> free, free market is definitely a buzzword. Arm, armchair experts over here. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, sure. But like, yeah, the market kind of determines how much money I can make. And if I can make more money, then like, that's my right. I figured it out. I figured out how to cater to the market. I did the work to make money and, and competition. If they want to beat me out, they got to figure out how to beat me. Right. Either improve the quality, drive down the price, come up with some sort of innovation. Right. That's really like the ethics that's saying, you know, that we know that this is a, this is something that works because, you know, people are motivated by money. And so if people are motivated by money, that means that they're going to want to either create things of better quality, you know, come up with new ideas to sell it, right? You, you very much are like this whole idea of entrepreneur is very much a capitalistic idea of like anyone could have an idea and sell it. And if you're, if you do it just right, and if you do it strategically following whatever guidelines that are out there, anyone could become a millionaire. And I think that is like really the driving the American force. dream. Uh, the American dream is based in capitalism, right? If right. you work hard, if you really buy into this idea that if you just do things the right way and work hard, you can become a billionaire or millionaire. And that's that's available to anyone. That That's essentially what the promise of capitalism is. So I got to get my listeners on board of why we're even talking about this. <laughs> and And it's because Jared and I talk a lot. He's like one of my favorite phone buddies. And lately, as my listeners know, I've been in this like raging feminist space and I'm always like down with the patriarchy. And lately, every time we have a conversation where I'm thinking down with the patriarchy, Jared keeps saying, that's capitalism for you. (laughs) And I haven't felt up to asking him what that even means until like yesterday. And then I decided, oh, this will probably be a good conversation. So that's why we're doing it on the podcast is because maybe it's somehow related. I'm guessing it's going to somehow go into why capitalism is a system of oppression, right? Maybe. Oppression, yeah. Okay. So yeah. tell me about that. <laughs> yeah. So, and and I, I wasn't trying to substitute patriarchy for capitalism, <laughs> but there, there's this belief that all power structures kind of feed into one another and are connected right. because they feed off of the same principles. All, right? all systems of oppression have like all these underlying c- connections and, and the same themes. And so when I say patriarchy, I'm saying this this system that I've been oppressed by, right? The, the one that I understand right. the most. But really, yeah, there's a lot I'm guessing. I, ha- I need to study it more, but I, I'm on board. I'm on board. Well, I mean, it's, I think the ties are pretty apparent just on the surface level of you, you think of the wage gap. Right. And, and I guess one of the biggest criticisms of capitalism is that it's not necessarily like we'd like to think we live in this bias free world where people who are offering value, we can we can mark the value of something by people's willingness to buy something. Right. And that really ignores the fact of subtle manipulation, stereotyping, othering, you know, it very much feeds off of this thing where 
it, it tells us the valuable individuals are the ones with the good ideas, the ones who are working hard. And if you, and when we get deep enough into that, if you're not making money, if you're not having typical markers of financial success, then it kind of becomes the cyclical thing of like, oh, you must not be working hard enough. Oh, you must not be having good enough ideas. Right. So. Oh, and, and essentially, oh, you are not valuable. Right. I've talked about this on previous podcasts. Money is our value marker. Yes. If you make a lot of money, then you must be, you know, Jeff, Jeff Bezos. What's the, what's the, car guy's name i can't even remember the elon car's musk. name yeah thank you <laughs> elon musk like mm -hmm. these are the most valuable people in our society when maybe it's not that they're valuable they're just good at at working the system right or manipulating or advertising or, or not that they're not valuable but you get what i'm going it doesn't necessarily mean they're the ones that work the hardest it probably very definitely means they're not the ones that work the hardest because they have people that work for them right Right. And when you look at intersections with feminism, think about motherhood, right? Who gets oh, paid yeah. to be a mother? And, and, and it's really seen as motherhood is a auxiliary function to breadwinning, right? right? So that is where the value is, where that's kind of why we like try to treat it as this paragon of like, this is great. But in reality, you know, I've heard it's an equal years. partnership. It's our money, right? I go to, <laughs> I go to work to earn our money and it, it and you stay home, but it, we share the money. It's ours, but that's not, that's not what it but, always feels like. But I'm sure several, like you, several of your listeners, like we've all heard conversations of in the end, people can threaten you with that money. Oh, but I'm the breadwinner. If I didn't work, we wouldn't have money, right? right. So, so it can be this like really great thing when they want you to take off labor, but the mo like, but then it is also used as leverage against. Or like... Women. Not to throw my husband under the bus, <laughs> but I have heard like, well, once you once you have a job that makes more than me, which as we know with the wage gap is not an easy, not an easy feat, especially if like if I decided, all right, Elliot, I, if you want to be the stay at home parent, I'll get a job. But but if the if the deal is I have to get a job that makes more than him, I have to find it while I'm still battling being the the housekeeper and the and the mom and and the wage gap and and it's not as it, it sounds logical right like anytime that we've talked about it i'm like oh yeah that makes sense because you have the potential to make more money than me therefore it's my job to 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 be the one in charge of all the household tasks and how do you get around that like how do you get around that argument it it, it is i guess that's where <laughs> that's where the system of oppression comes in right how do you fight it? Can you say that one more time? It kind of cut out. Oh, just that that's where this capitalism as a system of oppression comes in. Yes. It's, it's just like sexism, just like racism, just like whatever. It's, it's so ingrained into our thinking patterns. And sometimes we feed into it ourselves. And it's hard to even break past the thought pattern of maybe, th maybe there's another way. Right. Yeah, like how do you, I mean, essentially things of oppression or what I call hegemony are, are value systems and that's how they have their power is they color the words that we use with with what value or what context, with the connotation, right? And you're such a language guy, right? You are, here is where you're, you're an expert in is, is how we use language because you're a communications yeah. guy. And so the system of oppression, these systems of oppression 
are so ingrained into our language so that when people say like, I don't even have the words to describe to you, that's like, literally, we don't have the words sometimes to think differently. Right? Right. Until, yeah. And that's something that very much I research is what happens when people are living lives or, or things happen to them that aren't what we prescribe as like normal or part of the typical life pattern. And then how do they make sense of themselves, right? So because everyone wants to justify themselves being a good parent, a good person, a hard worker, right? Because of the society we live in, those are what we ascribe to as our ideals. And so when things in your life happen that would maybe like violate that, right? You have to do a lot of communication, a lot of work to, to justify what's happened and make and, and you, you use other value systems within your society to legitimize that right mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and so with capitalism specifically and, and I, I think we can talk about other things as well in this this area but some of the things that you can see is it it affects everything and instead of driving up quality and driving down price what has happened is that by individuals owning these large corporations, they're able to basically erase competition to the point where then they can control prices and make profits that because of our beliefs in, in like non-regulation and everyone should be entitled to all the money they make and anti-taxes, which I think there is a place for that discourse. But in the end, we are so deeply entrenched in that that that's how we get billionaires and and in where what they are doing isn't really we like to say oh they have a billion dollar idea right mm -hmm. where in reality what the billion dollar idea was how can i have all these people work in ways where they feel like what i'm paying them is justified so that i can still make billions right and so that's how you have things like people living in poverty let, let's talk about Amazon for a minute because this is where I'm really experienced, right? I have a, I currently have a product that I sell on Amazon, and I as soon as I can get out of that, as soon as we sell out of that product, I'm so done because everyone's familiar with Amazon. It's this, it, I don't even know what you call it, like a monster. Well, everything <laughs> Amazon has taken over Mindless. everything. Mm -hmm. and, stores have closed down like big stores not just like small businesses which obviously super struggle but like is it jc is sears jc penny which one just recently closed down i haven't been to either in years so probably like, both <laughs> but, i don't go shopping that much though but like these huge like what sears i don't know if it was sears that closed down i always get that and jc penny confused but but I know like they both got to be struggling because of Amazon. They've been around forever. They do business well, but this online model is convenient and they sell everything. And so it hurts those businesses. Then let's talk about people like me who are like, oh, when I, when I started selling on Amazon, I was told like, look how much money Amazon sellers collectively make, which is like millions of dollars collectively, right? <laughs> but when you right. think about how many sellers there are. I don't know. It averages out to like <laughs> ten <laughs> people to every. And and who knows if that's even who knows if that's even. Oh, I'm going to show how dumb I am right now. <laughs> I always get gross and net mixed up. Which is the one after fees? Net profit, I think. So who knows if that's even like 
gross or net because they don't calculate in how much advertising is going into that, how much shipping is going into that, how much manufacturing is going into that, how much. So I, I went into this like thinking, and I was sold this idea, like, if you have a good idea, it's passive income. You can outsource to China, which I'm even embarrassed to admit on this podcast that I've done because I know there are ethical issues there too. But they, they talk you through that too. Like not all the not all places are unethical and you just have to be careful who you source from and and they really appreciate our business and whatever. So I get sold this idea that I can just come up with an idea, which anyone knows me knows I am like queen of idea generating. I just by out- sheer probability alone, you've probably had a few what would typically be a billion dollar billion idea. dollar oh just yeah, for how yeah, many definitely. ideas you come up with on a daily <laughs> if basis. i could the question the problem is i can't stick with any of them long enough to get there <laughs> but we'll see and right there right there that is a capitalistic discourse mm-hmm. if you would have just worked harder kimber you would have money mm-hmm. you would have just worked harder if you would have just stuck with it longer you'd have money and probably your listeners are saying, but like, yeah, <laughs> you know, that, but that is capitalistic discourse. If you would have just worked harder, if you would have just stuck with it, researched more, done more labor, you run into the same thing with your parenting. You know, I know that everyone kind of struggles with that. If you would just read the right books, if you would just yeah. do the right thing, the if right you would just bedtime work harder, routine, the right food, feed them the right food. Yes. And, and again, this is. This is your, this is again, your area of expertise, right? Cause you have, you wrote a whole thesis on, on parenting discourse Yes. and how we value ourselves as parents based on the outcome of our kids, how our kids turn out equals our value as parents. And you're saying capitalism is the same way that instead of how our kids turn out, it's how much money we make is how we judge our, our, ourselves as people. Capitalism is, is so outcome-based that it's really hard to, to, to validate processes, right? If you are, if you are not making money, if money is not the outcome, if success isn't the outcome, then, then the process is invalidated, right? Yeah. So, okay. So I want to finish my Amazon journey because then we'll have a lot to talk about. I want, I want to get to the end of this. So, so I, I'm, I'm selling yoga mats. I try to make them eco-friendly, blah, 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 but you know, try to stick with my values, but capitalism, it's interesting talking to you. I'm like, Oh, maybe capitalism itself is not in my, not my value system. But so we get these, we get these yoga mats, we ship them to Amazon. We've invested quite a bit of money into this to start, but we, we had this idea like, Oh, I'm getting taught how to, how to get passive income and it'll all come back in spades. And then what you find out is Amazon takes a percentage given they're doing a lot of the work with workers that are getting paid crap wages. Right. But we pay for that. We pay for about half, half of whatever we make off our products goes to Amazon. Then Amazon, you figure out how to like get ranked, but that doesn't necessarily get, sales and so you want to get more views on your product so then amazon comes back and says oh we'll advertise for you on our page when you see those sponsored ads on amazon the sellers are paying amazon more money to get more views on amazon for their product and that is incredibly expensive and so and then yeah shipping return website. I have to pay Amazon a fee to just have my stuff listed on there. They're getting brand registered, getting barcodes. There's all these things that, I mean, talk about Amazon totally had a billion dollar idea. Is it an ethical one? <laughs> Probably, maybe not, but, but they make money on every 
everything. They're making money on the people buying from them. They're making people, they're making money on the people selling with them. I would, I'm, I'm paying Amazon so much money to sell my product on their site. I think that's pretty much it. And if, 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 and they're making the deliveries and if there's, if something goes missing or something's damaged, who takes the hit? Oh yeah, I do. Exactly. I do. And when you talk about deliveries, here's the other way that Amazon's making more money. Now they're offering ad space on their boxes, their shipping boxes. So people are paying them to put ads on their boxes. I mean, really it is, what, what is it like evil genius when they have like a good idea, what do they call it? It's like a mastermind evil genius take over the world plan. They're making money on every turn. I've so Elliot and I've been selling on Amazon for I don't know, two years now. Has it been two years now? And we have maybe just made back the money we spent on product. Not necessarily the money we've spent on advertising and everything else, but we've we've finally, I think, almost <laughs> made the money two years. And this isn't and it wasn't passive either. I did a lot more work and research and, and mental stress than I ever thought I would. And so really, was it a good investment for us? I'm gonna say no. I'm gonna say no. And that yeah, that's a great example of how we are all so quick to buy in on if we just work hard enough, we can have the outcomes we want. But we th that is just not the truth. If you look at the statistics of financial mobility over the past decade, over the past 30 years, we have not been living in the American dream. Like there is not a lot of economic mobility of a lot of people in lower classes moving up to higher classes. And, and what's fascinating, and I think you and I have talked about this before, is that blue collar workers the ones who honestly are are suffering at the hands of capitalism, right? The ones who are really putting in a lot of the labor and not getting a lot of the the pie, so to speak, they will fight tooth and nail for these capitalistic ideas and low low taxation on millionaire billionaires or whatever because the idea is but what if I get there one day? But what if I get there one day? And they just dream their whole lives and they they can't get there one day because of the system that they keep voting for <laughs> right yeah yeah I mean, there, I mean there's so much media if this is something that you're like like if this is new there's a lot of media there's things like the you know what is that movie called the island where there's like this lottery system where everyone is doing this very mundane work until they you know maybe get drawn for this lottery and there's a whole plot point off of that but there is a lot of me, I mean, it, it, this isn't really new. I think it's just something that it's hard to be actionable on on our level and at least to our beliefs. And we just kind of have accepted that a few lucky people can exit this mundane, detect, the grind as we call it, right? And, but, but it's worth, it's worth having that chance because if you're a million, like a billion dollars or a million, a millionaire, it's worth it. And, and we sacrifice everybody to do that. Right. Like, so the vast majority of people are, if you saw the distribution of wealth in America, it is absurd. It's if you ask people, I, I've seen a few things on this. And again, armchair expert here, I wish I could give you like numbers and actual articles, but I'm sure these are things you could look up. You know, I, it would be an interesting 
exercise to kind of think, all right, here's, here's where I think the distribution of wealth is. The, the upper 1% has this much, the middle class has this much, the people, the lower class has this much money in, in the wealth distribution, and then compare that to the real distribution and, and see how well you match up. And I think you'll find yourself grossly miscalculating how, how, where it is, honestly. And I think one of the things you've kind of touched on is that, and, and this is something that, again, I, I don't know where you are at this, but I, I remember growing up taking history classes and learning about how people were hesitant to industrialize and people were against factories and people were skeptical of Ford and the conveyor belt and people were kind of actively fighting against that. And, and I remember thinking like, why? That's led to so much progress. We have cars, we have iPhones, we, like everyone is living these great lives and everyone has access to a TV or internet. You know, we have all this information and we're living great lives. And yes, I think the quality of living in some ways has increased. Obviously, that depends on what your definition of quality of, of living is, but disparities are worse than they've ever been. And it's this whole term of like separating the worker from the means of production, right? If you if you were building cars, right, if you if you would think about how much it costs to buy something handmade, right, either an instrument, or if you're if you knew that product's worth, because you built every component of it, and you knew the work that put into it, you you would know the worth of that product, you would sell, you know, there would be that right. whole thing. But what what the conveyor belts, the industrialists have done is people go to work, and maybe they make one, this is like the example I think we hear all the time, you make one screw on one door of a car. And you're like, okay, I do that for eight hours a day. And then I go home and I just do this one thing. And that screw really is only worth maybe 20 cents. So I'm actually getting a good deal because I'm getting paid this much money. But because you don't really have an idea of the actual worth of that vehicle, you you are willing to be paid less for your time and you have no idea what your time is actually worth. And that is kind of what capitalism has done. And, and not necessarily capitalism as much as the people manipulating the system within it to exploit labor and to make people feel like their time is worth, is worth less than it actually is. That's so fascinating. So you've said to me like, okay, let me go here. So I've been taking a lot of business classes trying to get into this, like, because, because that's the new buzzword, like become an entrepreneur, we just have experienced what they've termed the great resignation, right? And I don't know how much of it is part of this. But I know for me, it's like, why would I go back to my public school teaching job, making $40,000 a year with benefits, but it's exhausting work. It is exhausting work. And in a lot of ways, it's, I don't know, it's a very much I don't want to go into teaching. Let's not get, let's not get into there. But anyways, why would I go back to, that's a whole other thing. Why would I go back to teaching public school for $40,000 a year when I could potentially (laughs) make a million dollars or a six, a six figure year as an entrepreneur? And this isn't where I want to go actually. But we're gonna put that in there anyways. <laughs> I but first of all, I have not I have not made even my teacher's wage as an entrepreneur. Let's just put that out there. I'm I've been trying to do this for a few years, and luckily I have a husband that does have a nine to five that supports us. I have not made the money that I thought I would make as an entrepreneur. And like you're saying, I keep thinking, well, I could just figure out the right formula, just work the right way. It must be something wrong with me. I must be doing something wrong. So that's that's thought number one. That's not where I wanted to go, though. But in this journey of becoming an entrepreneur, I've been taking a lot of classes. 
and this is what they keep saying because um one one hurdle that a lot of entrepreneurs try to overcome is this is what people term like the money mindset how you think about money right and there's a lot of good and bad connotations surrounding money you know money is evil money is manipulative or money is good so in all my entrepreneur classes they always talk about like look at all the good that you can do when you have a lot of money if you don't have a lot of money the amount of influence you have over the world is like nada and once again can't really argue with that very much like people that have a lot of money do tend to be influential and so they try to help you overcome like this money mindset with like yeah you need to make money we know you're good-hearted good people but you need to make a lot of money if you really want to have the effect you want to have on the world so i was just i wanted to bring that up because you told me the other day that you can't fight the system's you say it because I'm going to mess it up. <laughs> um, well, I'm embarrassed because I can't tell you who originally said it, but I'll Google it right now. You so say it's... it and I'll type it in. <laughs> you can't dismantle the master's house with the master's tools. It is Audrey Lord, I think. Audrey Lord. Yes. Is that right? Yes. So, what does that mean? Because so, I just barely did a post talking about how if you want to, the only way to overcome these systems of oppression is by partially pleasing the system. It feels like the only way you can do it is by using the master's tools. I think, one, it's important to note context. She was talking about patriarchy and she was saying that we can't use the tools of patriarchy, namely competition, different things to dismantle patriarchy. We have to use mm -hmm. feminist tools love empathy those sorts mm -hmm. of things right so that was the context that was set in but it's something that i think has been kind of coined in terms because it is really you might be making a difference with money you're not dismantling capitalism with money you're not doing that right it's not saying you can't do good work with the master's tools it's saying mm, you, you just can't take just, down the things because those are the becoming things that, part of the system you're just becoming the reason that money has power is because of capitalism and if you're trying to use money to take down capitalism, it's a paradox and it it, it just won't work because the only reason that it has power is because of the system that it, so it gives it power. I'm a little scared to go here, but is the next step is, okay, so what if capitalism isn't it? What? Well, <laughs> I was talking to my Sorry. girlfriend about... <laughs> not bringing some of these things up and, yeah, and, and you have to bring it up you have to bring it up right yeah i mean say it say degree, the dirty word <laughs> socialism is that it socialism marxism all of the filthy buzzwords um, and they're but, filthy because we are in such a well they're filthy for a lot of reasons but but those are the things that would dismantle the capitalist ideals that we swim in plus we haven't seen a lot of great models for those very few and 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 so i i would say that we need to take steps to reimagine things outside of those systems of beliefs where we could take the values we like but just just like we don't live in a purely we don't live in a pure like we don't live in a pure capitalist society we don't we have public school we have public systems and by that alone it means that it's not a purely capitalism 
like right. newsflash, there's a lot of socialist policies that everyone kind of on board with. I mean, obviously, you can see people fighting against public schools and but libraries, fire stations, some of these life-saving community things. So, okay, before I guess before we even get there, though, let's back up a little bit. What's wrong with capitalism? By solely valuing things on money and allowing people to exploit the labors of others, you begin to have not only we, we everyone is probably comfortable with the idea of like, if there's going to be winners, there's going to be losers. But I think everyone is kind of out of touch with the, the degree to which people are making money and the degree to which people are in poverty and suffering, where there is you like to talk about, I want to make money so I can make a difference. Well, Look at the people making a lot of money and how, what portion of that are they actually using to make a difference and what portion are they actually even using? A lot of the money people make is just sitting in trust funds, is just gathering more wealth, right? That is what most wealth is used for is to gather more wealth. And it's not really being put. This whole idea of trickle down economics is would be great if if there was anything left over at the top to trickle down. There's not. It's just put right back into the system of making money. And then we do corporate bailouts and these different things. We put more money because we're like, oh, no, things aren't trickling down. We need a, we, the answer must be add more water when in reality there's just there's these things at the top that are just sucking all of it up and very intentionally making sure that it doesn't trickle down. I don't know. You know, we like to talk about Scrooge and, and how what made him so mad wasn't that his love of money, but his love of money to the degree that he wasn't sharing with other people and putting it to good work. And yeah. that's very much symbolic of people at the top where I, I don't know very many people who make a lot of money who are just like, I want to give it all away. Right. And even at the bottom, this is why I even brought up this conversation yesterday in the first place is I told Jared yesterday, I was like, I had this epiphany, I had this huge aha moment yesterday where I have been, I mean, my listeners know, I pretty much talk about everything on this podcast. Yeah. I've been in some dark places. Like I've struggled with some depression, some anxiety, and I've been trying to work on this podcast, do retreats, do my Amazon thing, do, all, do this whole entrepreneur thing, working my butt off, not making money, just working my butt off and thinking one day I'll get the money and then I'll be able to live my life. One day I'll get the money and then I'll have this abundant life full of all the things I want to spend time on. And, and yesterday, I don't even know why it happened to come to my mind, but I all of a sudden thought, I'm using money as an excuse to block abundance from my life. Yeah. I could spend time with my family for free. I could go on a hike, like this beautiful hike for free. Like most of the things that I value in my life, like really value don't cost money. I mean, past past what you need to just survive, which I guess is another thing we could talk about, actually, <laughs> in no. this country, what we think we need to survive. But 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 what the point I'm trying to make is sometimes we get caught in this wheel of like, oh, we have to earn, we have to earn enjoying our life. And the way we earn that is by earning money so that then we can take a vacation or then we can do this one thing. And, and we're taught through social media and advertising. This goes back to my very first podcast episode of like, you're not enough. You're not enough. You're not enough. You don't have enough money. You don't have the right car. You don't have the fancy vacation. And because we want to show our families and ourselves or whatever that we're enough, we value them. We feel like we have to make the money to spend on these things 
that the capitalist system is telling us that we should value. And, and what ends up happening is we work our whole lives away, not making the money that we think we're going to. And then the things that we actually could spend time on that would bring joy and abundance into our life don't, don't come, which is depressing. <laughs> yeah, no, you're completely right. I think that it, it's a, it's a fine line of straddling because this is the belief system, because this is what our society is built in that, that you do have to participate like it or not, as much as I want to run off to like the woods and live by myself to a degree, that's an option. But in the end, no, I don't really want to do that. I, I like I like my computer, I like my phone, I like these different things. So there is like a fine line of like, okay, what kind of things do you have to kind of compromise on to just survive the system? But it, and it makes it hard, but you, you do need to kind of like reality check yourself of being like, all right, are these actually adding value to my life, value in my interactions with things that I actually care about? Or we have this idea that because our work gives us value, I think it's so interesting when people don't take paid time off or vacation days when in reality, that's, you know, one of those things that's motivating them to, to work is that vacation time, but we don't want to be seen as lazy. We don't want to be seen as like people who aren't contributing to society, right? We have that whole narrative of like, I want to raise my children to contribute to society very much entrenched in that. So it's definitely a fine line you have to straddle of how much money do you need to survive and live the life you want to live, but to the degree that you're not actually sacrificing things of greater value to you? Right. I, I just was thinking of my friend. I have a friend named Nick Day from college. He's a musician and he wrote this song and there's a line in it that's like something about, I, I, I wish, I wish we lived in a third world country and we didn't have any money. And we could just appreciate the little things kind of. And I remember the first time I heard that song, it's a really catchy song. I'll link to it in the show notes because it's a really catchy song. But I remember hearing that and thinking like, I didn't have the words, speaking of words we didn't have in our language, I didn't have the words white privilege at the time. <laughs> but I think that's kind of like the sentiment I had in my mind was like, eh, eh, I don't think you really get what you're saying with that. But I went and I lived in Thailand for a few months working at a children's home, which my white privilege is going to show a little bit here too. But what I'm trying to say is there is something to not feeling the pressure of living like the Joneses, right? I, I, I slept on a wood pallet. I, I took a cold shower every day. I was blessed to even have a shower. And, and what I thought was like a really sketchy shack to live in was actually quite a nice place that I was living in. And after a few weeks, I totally adjusted to that. And there were things I didn't have to worry about that we worry about here when people talk about the third world problems or not third world, <laughs> the first world problems that, that we struggle with. It really is a totally different value system. It's more about being alive and are your kids healthy and you have food on the table at night and you know how awesome the weather is and not so much about oh i don't have the right paint color on my wall <laughs> i mean i'm one to talk i'm trying to get elliot to build me like a little <laughs> podcast office you know and and that's like this big thing when it's really like i don't know capitalist values are everywhere i guess that's what i'm trying to say <laughs> yeah and you know economic imperialism is very much a thing, right? Where 
we like to think the age of like conquering country in the current context, obviously, maybe right. we're not past the era of conquering co- countries for land, but very much economic imperialism as in like, and, you know, all sorts of imperialism is very much alive and well of countries' value systems trying to say we have a better way. Well, take over and influence other countries. So give me, give me an example of that. Or, or, or even a, just a made-up example. <laughs> well, you've lived abroad. We, I'm sure, did people know what America was? What, what yeah. were people's responses to you when they found out you were American? Well, there was, like, I don't know. They always wanted to show off that they could speak English and do the peace sign. and They know American pop culture. Not where I... Not... Okay, let's be honest. Do I know American pop culture? They might have, and I would have been the worst person in the world to talk to about it. But, but, but like, but yeah, I probably. Say, by and large, you go to a foreign country. They know who Michael Jackson is. Michael, like, they know like yeah, yeah, yeah. Famous people, famous songs. You listen to the radio, and although there's some, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They many, wanted to how... sing. I was teaching music, and they wanted to. They wanted to learn how to sing "Bad Romance" by Lady Gaga. Exactly. Yeah, pop culture, right? Yeah. So, like, think about how many times. This year, have you heard a song in Thai or a song from Thailand? Yeah, zero. Seen a movie that was made in Thailand. I mean, Ryan the Last Dragon was based in that area. Was it made in Thailand? Was it, was it, did it have people from Thailand? Maybe of descent, maybe adjacent, but the money, the marketing, the audience, not Thai people. (laughs) Right. Right. And so that's, that's what imperialism looks like man we're getting into a lot of things today but that is what imperialism <laughs> looks like in the modern day is very tight that... in is it, it sounds like it's very tight in with cultural appropriation right maybe yes yes and that's wow <laughs> let's just talk about all of yeah. it <laughs> i'm like well yeah and it's and it's almost more than appropriation because i think that's kind of lost meaning to a degree it's it's what's called commodification where we've where not only are we pumping out our culture, our music, our values to other countries, but we're going out there and we're saying like, oh, they Good have idea. these things. Let's, Let's use it to make them. money. Exactly. And it loses cultural significance, right? Something something that is made in Thailand, that is bought by a Thai person, that, that is specific to Thailand, probably has a different value than that thing, that same thing made in America, bought by an American. Even if it's like, exactly the same in its makeup the the value and the meaning behind that completely changes and because america is a city of consumer or a city a country of (laughs) consumerism and expression and individualism a lot of those things become like cheaply made or, or just kind of taken for granted where they are things full of meaning in other countries you know i think a lot of your listenership is probably familiar with garments right imagine if someone came in and, and for like, those of oh. you who aren't for those of you who aren't that's the no i have to explain it <laughs> <laughs> i can i can thank you to take it jared in the church of jesus christ of latter-day saints there's a very sacred type of clothing referred to as the garments which goes underneath the clothing and should be worn at all times for protection it has special symbols and different things like that that carry a lot of meaning and are protected very in, can only be purchased in certain places by certain people in certain standing within the religion, right? Very, very rich with, with meaning. But imagine if someone came in and said, 
oh, I kind of like these symbols. These are kind of trendy. Oh, like these kind of breathe well. Oh, that you know, like for different reasons, really enjoy the clothing. And they're like, I'm gonna take this back. I'm gonna, I'm going to go and sell garments in Indianapolis as this way of keeping cold of keeping warm in the winter and having these kind of cool trendy symbols you know but okay yeah obviously for some reasons that's just not possible <laughs> but you could see how the meaning behind what a garment is completely changes and I would say it's to the majority of membership in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints extremely offensive and not that that happens in every case of commodification, that something that sacred is is taken so trivially, but that on a micro scale is happening all the time, right? You know, like we we have all these different things that the only value for us is that they're fun or they're they're cute or they they're comfortable, where we we forget that the cultural value, or we don't even know what the right. cultural value behind these things are, and that is what capitalism, how that commodification is a very key part of like oh, like, what if I mass produced these very, these hand, these handmade things that are really pretty that people like, what if I mass produced them? And obviously with mass production, quality goes down, right? Design, all these things, you drive down all the, the importance of, and then the value of that thing is now driven down. So it's, it's very much a symptom of capitalism is this a cultural world. This, this world that the only culture is is consumption and entertainment. How do you, so this is a super enlightening yet very frustration, frustrating conversation to have because I mean, and you're the perfect person to have it with because you are a straight white cis <laughs> male <laughs> living in, living in this capitalistic society, right? You, you feel on a probably even more intense level, what I feel about like, so what am I, <laughs> what am I supposed to do? Like, am I just a horrible person no matter what I do now? Because I live in this system. What, what do we do? I think it comes back to what you were saying about, I want to make money so that I can make a difference. Right. And I think because of globalization, we want to think of the only valuable contribution we can make to the world is something that changes the world. Where in reality for the majority, the vast majority of the human existence, people making a difference was on the smallest of scales. And, and and there was nothing wrong with that, right? That's why there's so many of us. <laughs> yeah, luckily. There's enough yeah. of us that we can, you're like, that's a whole nother topic of conversation. Very <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> much trying to take on the world here. But no, so I think you just kind of have to, as, as trite and as, and as cliche as it sounds, really... You, you just need to, to say, I might live in a globalized space where I feel that to make a difference or to be known, I have to become viral or be a celebrity or make all this money to have influence. But in reality, humans were not made to do that. That's not part, I mean, maybe it's part of our social evolution, that feeling that we need to, but but physically, our bodies aren't probably meant to do that. Energy level, we're probably... Look at how many celebrities crumble because it's, they're living this, this wild life where everyone knows them and everyone loves them. But does anyone really know them? And does anyone really love them? Like, kind of dicey, right? People come up with... All that stuff happens on the world stage where we think that's... We, we have that... We even have a job called, like, influencer, right? Where it's like, I have yeah. 5,000 followers on Instagram. 
how wild is that? <laughs> you know, we consider 5,000 followers on Instagram probably kind of small you can in comparison to like the really truly successful Instagram followers. But think about even, even 20 years ago, think about 20 years ago, <clears throat> if you, if you could communicate to 5,000 people on a daily basis, yeah, how crazy that is. So I would say that my takeaway is look at, what truly has value in your life. Look at what you truly want to do. You know, I'm not saying you can't make a difference in the world, but, but, but understand that the size of the difference that you want to make in the world comes at a cost. And a lot of times comes at a cost of the things you value and can be counterproductive and, and, and just make sure that your own personal choices are in line with your value system. And obviously the people that you probably care most about, whether that be like, close friends, family, you know, people in your care, whoever that might be. But that I think as humans, I think that is the human condition more than anything is that we have the ability to, to make changes within the people that we care the most about. And we're not meant to care about the hordes of people that, that we might have access to. Yeah. yeah. I think, I think the other thing to realize is that especially in Utah, we have a very condescending or funny relationship with with multi-level marketing where people were like oh you you you, you drank the kool-aid you 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 were told that you could make all this money from home to give yourself value it'd be passive you would just be doing something you wanted but you'd still have time to do everything else you wanted we're all in that system yeah. we're all in that system that is what capitalism is and so it's just one giant multi-level marketing system <laughs> Yeah, right. Think about the same narratives exist, right? Where people say, really, the only people that make money in multi-level marketing are like the one person at the top and maybe the 10 people below them. And everybody else is fighting for scraps and anything they make is like doubled by the people above them. And the only way you can like move up is by getting, is by duping more people into making less than you. Mm -hmm. We're all in that system. So it's, it's wow. a matter of just realizing it's, that. Capitalism is just one giant pyramid scheme. Yeah, essentially. <laughs> I mean, I hesitate because I just, there, there are things that capitalism, capitalism has given us that I'm very grateful for and removed from society that I'm very grateful for. But I also know it comes at a cost that it's also given us several problems that I'm not grateful for. And so I think as I've learned more about this and as it's come more into my sphere, it's about very intentionally being like, okay, we've come this far. It was good for these reasons. We need to continue to change it and modify it so that it can continue to serve our needs and address the problems we're seeing. Right. That's why when you're saying, Oh, the only way to dismantle it with socialism or Marxism, those are alternatives. Obviously we've seen some of those crash and burn, not probably because they're any worse than capitalism, but because they were probably less like successful corrupt and corruption. No, I mean, talk to anybody, Democrat or Republican, they still think there's corruption in capitalism, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So it's, it's, it's just a matter of like how much people are willing to buy into the system. And capitalism very much weaponizes people's, not weaponizes, but utilizes people's greed and love of power to, to run the system. And that's pretty sustainable. So I think at this point, it's just a matter of reimagining alternatives and making changes wherever your sphere of influence is and that's nothing new but hopefully that helps people feel less existential dread about we need to fix the country it's like yeah but how that happens is by changing or, or, or 
identifying what really matters and then voting that way, treating other people that way, having those conversations. And, and we do shift and human nature in human society shifts slowly in certain cases. And this is one of those things that is. Yeah. And give, I mean, everyone just needs to kind of, it's, we're, we're going through a huge learning process, all of us, right? That's, that's what this podcast is in a nutshell, is me deconstructing a lot of stuff that I thought was like the one way, the right way. Even now, like, even now with my own Instagram and and other things that I've put out, I'm reevaluating, like, is this actually what I want to be doing? Is this actually what brings my life value? And it is a long process. You're not going to come away from this podcast episode being like, oh, like, I'm going to, I know exactly what I value and how to, how to work that in my life. But it should, I'm hoping that this will feel like a relief. It's feel, I'm, I'm glad I talked to you, Jared, because it's like, especially when you started talking about like, maybe humans aren't meant to have be communicating with 50,000 people a day. Like that makes a lot of sense. And that feels like a huge relief to me because I think part of, well, I know like they have statistics that show how much anxiety, these things that we value, right? Right. Our work Mm -hmm. now, this social media spheres and always being public with everything we're doing. And we're getting more depressed. We're getting more anxious. And if we could maybe have the permission that, Hey, Maybe there's another way. <laughs> Maybe it's okay to step away from all that and you're still a good person if you don't have over a thousand, over 10,000, whatever your number is in your head, followers on whatever. And what brings your life value, right? Mm-hmm. What? Okay, I know we're like at an hour, but I have one more thing I got to bring into this conversation, even though we've had like 10 takeaways that we've talked yeah. about everything. Yeah. So I, I have a business coach. Speaking of capitalism and all of that, whatever. And, <laughs> People are making and, money of, on you making money. Oh, making that is out. where the money is right now, is all of the people that are like, oh, the only way to make money is to tell other people you can help them make money. Right. That, that's a whole other thing. Anyways, I do have a business coach. She's amazing. I really love her. She actually will be or already has been. I've, I've released podcast episodes, whatever I feel like. So she, I've recorded an episode with her all, already. And she's just a, an amazing person. But she was she was teaching me, I was trying to get help with this podcast because I've, I've been really overwhelmed with all the steps that go into putting it out. And we were going, we, she taught me something called value stream mapping, where the idea is anything that doesn't bring direct value to my listeners in this case is a waste of my time. Not that some of those, it's not that none of those wastes are are not necessary. Some things I have to do, but the goal is to eliminate as much as possible that is not bringing direct value to, to my customers. And, and after that whole conversation with her, which was really helpful for, for my podcast, but also I realized like, we don't live our lives this way. We do so much in our lives that don't bring us value. There's so much waste there and it's kind of, and maybe that's where this whole idea of, of money, maybe not being the only source of value in my life came from is this talk with Tara realizing like everything that I'm spending time on is not bringing me value. I have a lot of waste in my life right now and I, w- I want to eliminate that and do more things that are bringing my life direct value. And that might not be being on social media <laughs> or 
working so hard doing things I hate to make money so that then I can have value in my life, right? That's all, that could all be wasted time that you could use doing something you really love, singing or getting together with family or, or a phone call or or whatever. And I don't know. I don't know if that's related, but it just... Yeah, I, I mean... It. Yeah, I think that that's a good takeaway of being like, we need to look outside of money for, for value. There needs to be other things that make us feel like it's worthwhile other than money because that would probably drive you nuts. But I think also another thing that I would reemphasize is just living in that space where things things don't even necessarily have to have value to be worthwhile, right? Like, you know, I mean, maybe that sounds paradoxical to what we've been talking about, but I think it would be remiss of me not to talk about our drive for values, our drive to be, to do everything, to make it feel like we're living a worthy life without understanding how sometimes that makes shapes the way we see other people, right? And because of that, that can dehumanize other people if we see them as either a waste of our time or not valuable to whatever goals. So I guess to nuance our takeaway, yes, you know, very much take a look at your values. Very this much. Is, this is the first like half hour takeaway this podcast has had. <laughs> yeah. I'm just like telling everyone, do this. I just, I think at the end of the day, my hope is that we can on one hand, know what we value and pursue that. And then on the other hand, be okay with not having that <laughs> in ways of where life, life is, is uncertain all the time and things don't make sense. And so much of our effort is to try to make it make sense. Mm. And I would just it's say a very Buddhist, this Buddhist idea of just accept what is right. Exactly. Exactly. So I don't know how we got there from capitalism, <laughs> but I just want to acknowledge that our value system isn't perfect and it's always in refinement. Thank you so much to all of you who have reached out to tell me how much this podcast means to you. Knowing that there are actually people out there who listen to and enjoy this podcast quite literally keeps me going on the days that this gets hard. If you'd like to leave a review, you can do that via Apple Podcasts or Spotify, or go to justbeyourbadself.com reviews and click the button that says rate show. Thanks for listening today. Remember, you are enough right now in this moment. That's it from me. Now, just be your bad self.